Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Hello, welcome to the Steve Jones Show. This is Todd Hummel from the Sunbury Motors Studios in Sunbury, Pennsylvania. Now you're on. Oh, good. There we go. Yes. Well, just so everybody knows, I was I was on time. All right, great to have you with us uh, here, and then off to Atlanta this afternoon, um, and uh, in Atlanta the rest of the week. Joe Putnam will fill in for me on Friday, 2 o'clock, 1.30 of the airtime, following, of course, uh, our show. We'll do like we did last Friday leading into Bucknell, just a couple of quick segments, and then head to the Jordan Center. And then Jack Ham, Brian Tripp, Roger Corey, Bob Taylor, and I will be at the Mercedes-Benz Dome for the Peach Bowl on Saturday at noon, kicking off at 10.30. So tie a little bit of hot chocolate on this day after Christmas. Thought we'd have a little cocoa here. I'm more a coffee guy, but I get it. Oh no, I already had coffee today. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> I'm half blood, half coffee. So there you go. There you go. Um, so they are. Um, Mm. Mm. It's good. There's a cup of cocoa I think I've had since, geez, I don't know. I don't know. In a while, it's good. <laughs> kind of makes me wonder why I wasn't doing it more often. Well, actually, I do know why, but, you know, it's actually smart for me not to. I thought yesterday the Chiefs were very impressive. Oh, the 49ers were very impressive. Oh, and the only good thing you can say about what the Eagles did yesterday is they won. Uh, one of the guys from around here that used to work at the Williamsport paper was one of the uh, disappointed Eagles fans on TV after the uh, touchdown live in stadium. After the oh, really? Six. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, so there you are. Um, the... Um, the problem that the Eagles have with with the stretch run is this. You're going to have people potentially getting fool's gold. The secondary is a mess. <clears throat> Your two young Georgia defensive linemen are no-shows. I mean, I mean, I know Jordan Davis has been out there. I've seen the body. But he's not making any plays. Jalen Carter can't even move, can't even 
concentrate enough to get off the field quick enough. Oh, and by the way, the call in the center, Schmitz, was awful. Carter was way offside and had nothing to do with the football. Uh, I mean, he's just he's not locked into anything right now. Uh, the call at the end of the first half uh, by the officials on the delay of game was a disgrace. Uh, complete disgrace. Okay, What are you taught if you're a defensive player if the ball's on the ground? What are you taught to do? No matter what. Everybody tells you over and over again, look, make the officials make a call. Get the ball. Make them make the call because you don't know. So uh, now Hertz did not fumble the ball. He kind of rolled down kind of like, and in the process of rolling down, he put the ball down so he could get up and run back. So Hertz didn't do anything wrong. But the Giants jumped on it. Why? That's exactly, they were not trying to delay the game. They were not trying to delay at all the Eagles getting to the line of scrimmage. Zero. The ball was on the ground, so they jumped on it. Right? And then, I mean, it's, I mean, Hertz made a stupid play. He cut back inside. What are you doing? You have no timeouts. How many years have you been quarterbacking? I mean, seriously, how many years have you quarterbacked now? Right? You have no timeouts. What makes you think you should be cutting back inside? So he botched the play, got away with it, and the Eagles got three out of it. Now, did it matter in the final score? No. But it was a bad call. That's just a bad call. Because, I mean, uh, just like defenders, uh, who the heck was it? Um, what was the? I think the Eagles got called for this. Um, was it Reddick went into the legs of Tyrod Taylor? Was that the play, Todd? And he got called for roughing the passer. Is that is that the play? I think it is. Right. That was that, again. Technically, is it the correct call? It's a horrible call. What's he? What's Reddick supposed to do on that play? Come on. What's he supposed to do? Right? Am I remembering that play right? The Reddick play? Uh, I, I'll be honest with you. I did not watch much of the Eagles game. That's when we were eating Christmas dinner. And the reason I didn't answer you is because uh, Matt's on the line. Right. I'm saying, though, but the call on Reddick on roughing the passer was a terrible call. There is several. There was several of the like, other games, oh, too. I'm not surprised oh. it wasn't that one. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, look at it. Like, come on. What's Reddick supposed to do in the play? I mean, come on. That's that's. After a while, it, it's like, look, I work with a defensive player. And he always looks at me all the time and says, Steve, I don't know what the rules are today. <laughs> I, I don't know what, what you're supposed to do in tackling. So you said, you know, you like you said, he's he was one of the cleaner guys in the seventies. I can only imagine what some of the dirtier guys in the seventies think, <laughs> yeah, including one of his teammates. You know, I, I, yeah, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't talking about anybody. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, there's only one way to get the holiday week rolling, and that is with a ball of hate rolling down the hill. <laughs> That's what the holidays are all about. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you know, you're with those family members that kind of irk you a little bit, and you, and, you, and you play nice. Well, this is the time to let it all out. Not that I'm speaking from experience, but I'm just trying to relate to oh, maybe no. some of our listeners here. 
But uh, yeah, I, I, as far let's start with the Eagles and keep this going. Um, the, that call on Reddick was is probably the least of my worries right now because while I'll never be unsatisfied with a win, the Eagles have had a lot of ugly wins this year. But this yesterday was the most painful of the wins. I mean, to be up twenty to three and then have a third quarter that I feel like I'm watching Pee Wee football. Guys running into each other, losing the football, the pick six, the way they messed up the clock at the end of the half, and then they get lucky from the penalty. I mean, I I, I literally lost brain cells, I think, watching the Eagles play football from the end of the first half through the early fourth quarter. I mean, that was horrendous yesterday. They were lucky they were playing the New York Giants, who are just about as pathetic as a, as probably a peewee team would be right now. I mean, not only from a player's standpoint, from a coach's standpoint, I also have no idea why the Giants benched Tommy DeVito yesterday either. I didn't. I, there's just some bizarre coaching going on with Brian Dable and when he plays the NFC East, which is why he's 0-7 now combined. But getting this back to the Eagles, it's nice to win. The defense was maybe a little bit better than what it's been the last couple of weeks collectively. <laughs> really? You thought so? I thought they were terrible. <laughs> I, you're fa- I you're facing a you're facing a third string practice squad quarterback. Cut me a break. That's why I said a little. That's all. I mean, they're still giving up third downs, still giving up fourth downs, and the reason why they stopped them on fourth down is because of terrible play calling on the Giants' part. But I am more concerned on the offensive side of the football because I'm basically seeing almost the exact same things that I've been seeing for the last several weeks. So while they won yesterday, they're in the driver's seat for the division with a win next week. They get it clinched. I, I still think this team is going to lose in the first round of the playoffs no matter who they play or what seed they're in. Because offensively, they still can't get out of their own way. The play calling is still unbelievably horrid, and they can't, and they can't take care of the football. That's it. That's all about this team. So, no, I'm not I'm not any more confident in this team than what I was several weeks ago, whether they won or lost that game yesterday. But that was a painful win is the way I describe that. Well, you won. It's better than what San Francisco can say. You know, it's interesting. The Ravens with Lamar Jackson at quarterback – struggle against the AFC North. Okay. You know, what I mean struggle, I mean, they win enough games, but still, they can, for example, the Steelers beat them. They are 19-1 and against the NFC. And that one loss was to the Giants last year. And again, it goes back to the NFC teams don't know how to play Lamar Jackson. And that's, you know, and you can see it. They don't know how. And I made this point last year when I was talking about this. The problem for Baltimore is going to be getting out of the AFC. When it gets to the NFC, people don't know how to play this guy. They're not used to it. The AFC teams, especially the AFC North teams, you know, they see him enough where they kind of get a handle as to what he does, what he doesn't do. He's very talented in the whole thing. And then there's Brock Purdy. I got to give Purdy credit. When he is terrific, he is terrific. When he is bad, he is bad. <laughs> no question. Yeah, I, I was. I, I, it was stunning to see that last night. 
But you're right. I mean, it's also the best that I've seen Lamar Jackson ever play. I've never been a Lamar Jackson type of guy, but this is the best I've ever seen him play, and I think he put himself ahead in the MVP race last night with the way he played, no question there. Well, let's start with this. I could care less who wins the MVP. Uh, I don't have opponents tied to my contract, and I don't vote, so I don't care. Um, the uh, But it, you're an NFC team. You're not used to seeing it. And when you're not used to seeing it, you struggle. That's why they're 19 and one, all right, against those teams. Uh, but back to your team, the end of the first half. That's an awful call. I mean, it doesn't. It plays no role in the winning or losing zero. But that's an awful call. You're a defensive player, okay? As somebody who's at practice at football practices every day, what are you taught to do? You are taught to jump on the football if it's loose on the ground. They were not trying to delay the game. And my my biggest problem I'm having with officiating is you've got to have a feel for the game. And they just don't seem to have a feel for it. They're trying to do everything by some letter of the law. You have a feel for what you're looking at. And they they don't do it. No, and and really, that's in particular, so Ron Torbert had the game and his crew. His crew, I feel like, has been like that the entire year. They just kind of make it up as they go. Yeah, I tell you what, the the NFL, for I think they're focused on the wrong priorities here. They're focused on the brotherly shove and everything else, so it looks like they're not going to get rid of it. You know what they need to be focused on? Better officiating. Guys actually have a feel for the game, making the right calls. Knowing what a false start is from what happened a couple weeks uh, a couple weeks ago in the uh, Eagle Seahawk game, what happened on both sides in that game. I mean, these guys don't even know the basics anymore when it comes to officiating. It's horrid. It's absolutely horrid. Well, let me bring up something else that I think is interesting, and that is this: I feel like your two tackles, Lane Johnson, who's you know, he's a Hall of Fame player, and Mylotta. I'm the more I watch Philadelphia, the more I look at them and they're tipping plays. It's like tipping pitches. Those two guys tip plays. And I think that's a problem because of the way they line up. They tip off whether it's a pass play or a run play. And there was a point in the second quarter where I was with a group of people and I said, hey, let's have a little fun. Let's see if we can predict if it's a pass or a run. I got all of them. I got all of them right. Didn't miss any of them. Mm. They said, "Hi." They said, "How did you know?" I said, "Alignment." So the way the two tackles line up, they're giving away what they're going to do. Mm. That's interesting. I will have to look at that a little more closely next week. I mean, it's, but you, I'll tell you, you one watched, thing though: I have not been wa- impressed with Jordan Mylotta's play. I can tell you that. He's, I don't think he's had a great year. I'm just saying, wa- watch their. Watch their alignment, their feet and their angles. Their feet and their angles give away um, what they're doing, and that's me. That I mean, that's me looking at it. I'm like, geez, I, I feel like the. You know, we talk about tipping pitches. The two tackles, I feel like tip plays. Well, I will have to look at that and report back next week. 
Because I'm very intrigued by that. Because if that's the case, then that's just yet another indictment on Nick Sirianni and this offense. If that's the case. Because, Um, actually, it's funny you bring that up because Nick Bosa on the Manning cast during the Monday night game against Seattle last week even mentioned that the Eagles were a little bit predictable. Yeah. And you can't be that in this league. You just can't be that, and you can't be that arrogant either, which goes back to what I said before well, last week. Uh, I'm still not convinced that Nick Sirianni is, is, is mature enough to lead this football team, even though they did get the win yesterday. Well, that's not – see, that's not arrogant. That's not arrogant. In Johnson's case, it's age. Um, because he's trying to get himself in a pass-blocking position where he's, he gives himself an extra half step. And I think that's the reason why he's doing what he's doing by a lot. I have no idea why he's doing it. Maybe it's uh, – I, I don't know. Um, but that's something where um, – oh, I'm on boarding group C. That's great. I'm in position 44. All right. <laughs> Flying southwest. That's great. That's pretty my boarding pass. Uh, but but that's something where I think it's because of age. Like I need that extra half step or whatever quarter step or whatever it is to get myself back to make a play as a oh, pass yeah, blocker. Right. Th- that's why he's doing it. But in the process, and Mylotta is doing the same thing. They're tipping what the play is. If his feet are a little bit further back, it's a pass play. Right, it's one of two things. It's either a pass play or a quarterback draw. Okay, right. running play doesn't line up like that. Another thing that I wanted to bring up from the game yesterday is first time, and I'm really going to rip into Jalen Carter. Like I said, I, I think he's had a good year, not a great year. He's, he had a better first half of the season than second half of the season, as I mentioned last week. But he had two inexcusable penalties yesterday. First of all, not getting off on the field in time on a fourth and four on the punt? Come on now. That's basic stuff. you got to know that by this time of the year. I don't care if you're a rookie or not. Then second of all, it's fourth and four. Again, this goes back to minor, this goes back to peewee football stuff I learned when I was a lineman. Watch the ball when it's fourth and less than five, and you know a team is probably going to draw you offside. Watch the football. It's not that hard. That's the number one thing you have to do. If I'm a defensive lineman or anybody, I would almost rather get beat on the play if a team actually went for it than get caught jumping offside on a fourth and short and I give an automatic first down. It's not that hard. You can't make those plays and keep teams like the Giants alive. You just can't do that. Those two really frustrated me yesterday. They really did. Is Jordan Davis still on the roster? He had, he, had, he had a couple of good plays, I thought, yesterday. Not necessarily a problem with him yesterday. I had a problem with Jalen Carter not watching the football. I feel like he's on a milk carton right now. All right. Uh, <laughs> where, where is he? I haven't seen him since he was breathing heavily after chasing down Josh Allen. The okay, Jalen? a heck of a play, though. Oh, yeah. That was also a month ago. <laughs> There's a lot of and things then there, good that happened then, a month ago with this football team. And then Nick Bosa, I mean, I don't know. I'd give my salary back from last night's game. <laughs> well, like I said, yeah, he, that was that was just stunning how bad the 49ers were last night. He was 
Yeah, he was a no-show last night. He should have been the guy between E. Chase Young and Randy Gregory. Those are the kind of guys that should be chasing Lamar Jackson. Jackson stood back flat-footed because he had time. I mean, the 49ers did something they don't normally do. They blitzed <laughs> because they couldn't get there with four. And well, it's really amazing a because this still opens up for the Eagles, too, because they got the Rams. They have the commanders who they'll beat the snot out of last next week. But then they got the Rams, and that's not an easy game, I don't think, for the Niners. But you know, No, it's not. No, the Rams, are, their, their the Rams are playing well. Meanwhile, uh, in the team with the fool's gold is sitting there. <laughs> there you go. And I don't want to see the Eagles play the Rams in the first round. I think it would be enjoyable. <laughs> On that note, you have a good flight and 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 uh, section C C forty four and have a good call and enjoy the peach ball. No, no, I'm in spot forty four. Oh, I'm in boarding 44, I'm position forty four. Who knows where I end up? Cargo? Maybe that's what C stands for. <laughs> <laughs> Bring back some of those Georgia pieces. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Ummel's Wharf, and online, sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, best in new inventory, great pre-owned inventory, the Sunbury Motors guarantee, terrific service department that backs it up every step of the way with great technicians, and they need more technicians. They have so much work. It's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia, Roots 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at summarymotors.com. So Todd can't comment on any game because dinner began at noon yesterday and ended at 11 last night. I don't know about any game, but not the Eagles game. <laughs> <laughs> what time did what was for dinner yesterday? Ham at both places. Oh, you went two places? I got to hit my aunts and got to hit my mother-in-law's. Well, you had to hit the last one, that's for sure. All right, you had to get there. <laughs> I know where my that, bread's buttered. I'll tell you right now, you had no chance if you, <laughs> in life if you'd missed that one. Oh, goodness gracious. Um, <laughs> the uh, bowl schedule today. You got three games today. You have the quick lane bowl at Ford Field in Detroit. Probably should have left a note from Mike Grimm in the broadcast booth because I'm sure that's the one they'll get. Um, it's Bowling Green and Minnesota. Now, Minnesota is only in because they have as a 5 and 7 team because they have a better APR, the best of the qualifying teams. Now, that's to their credit. Let's give credit where credit's due. Um, but I want to get to a point about that in a second. After that is the Serve Pro First Responder Bowl. Okay, I'm going to have to let. Is that Fort Worth? That is, where is that thing? Or is that the one at SMU? 
It is at Ford Stadium in SMU in Dallas. It's also 58 degrees and sunny. Very nice. It's Rice against Texas State. You are excited for the 530 kickoff, I can tell. Hey, anytime you get to watch Rice, man. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Well, remember the great John F. Kennedy speech about setting the goal of going to the moon before the end of the decade? Right? Like, why do we do things that are hard? And at one point, he says, why does Rice play Texas? (laughs) (laughs) Listen to the speech. It's in there. Why does Rice play Texas? (laughs) Because it's hard. (laughs) And then Kansas and UNLV tonight, uh, guaranteed rate bowl, and that will be in Phoenix this evening. I'm going to guess that the... uh, the dome at Chase Field will be closed tonight because they're playing at Chase Field where the uh, Diamondbacks play. There um, should be a lot of points in that one. Yeah, I think there should be too. I agree. And UNLV's good team. Very good team. Now, as for Minnesota, here's the problem I have with them being in at 5-7. and seven. All right? And I understand you need to fill spots. The APR, I understand that. So this is not an anti-Minnesota uh, Conversation. So there's nothing to do with Minnesota. But the winner of the Army Navy game, each team came into the game, I think, what, five and six? The winner of the Army Navy game at six and six should have been in this game. I don't understand why they weren't. Isn't that a natural? To me, that would be a natural way to do it, right? Where Bowling Green's going to play the winner of Army Navy. I know you're trying to sell tickets ahead of time, but I don't understand why the winner of the Army-Navy game, which comes out of the game, turns out it's Army, comes out at 6-6, six and six, why aren't they in this game? I don't understand stuff like that. There's a lot of stuff with, with how they do things in college football that I don't understand. This is one of them. The winner of the Army-Navy game should have been in this game. That way, you would have had no teams under 500 in bowl games this year. You may have had teams with resulting losses under 500, but going into the game, everybody would have been 500 or better. That's just me. Yeah. You know? I don't know how you feel about that, Todd. Maybe it just doesn't matter to you. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, did they have enough? Uh, did they have all wins against. Uh, Bowl subdivision teams. No, and that is part of it. That is part of it. I think they had, I want to say, two wins against FCS teams. I mean, if they waive the other rule, I don't know why they wouldn't waive that one, too. Yeah, let me just see Army football. I think they put beat one of the, like, one of the Patriot League schools. Yeah, I think you're right, Todd. I mean, they beat Navy. They beat Holy Cross. That's a Patriot League team. Seventeen fourteen. UMass beat them. Uh, LSU shut them out. Beating Holy Cross is probably a good win for Army. Yeah, but that's still a Patriot League team, though. Well, to that's your true. Point. <laughs> to, to your point. Um, bum bum bum. Where's the other one? Monroe, UTSA, uh, Delaware State. Hmm. Delaware State, so they have two wins over FCS to get to six and six. I mean, it's probably has something to do with it, but 
that's you're still I'd rather have a six and six team um, than this. I mean, they beat Texas San Antonio for goodness sakes in San Antonio. UTSA is not bad. Lost by twelve to Syracuse. Lost to Boston College by three. Uh, lost nineteen nothing to Troy. Yeah, LSU is a different ball game. The U- UMass loss was the bad loss, twenty one fourteen. Beat Air Force though, twenty three three, and Air Force was rolling along at the time when they played them. Then they beat Holy Cross. Um. Now, Holy Cross was at West Point on Military Appreciation Day. Well, if anybody, if any school ought to appreciate it every day, it's them. <laughs> then they beat Coastal Carolina, which I saw play in the uh, Hawaii Bowl the other night, 28-21. They won their last four games, Todd. Then they beat Navy in Foxborough, 17-11. Jeez. Should have been in it. That's just me. I mean, with all the bowls and all the... I mean, you get Army in the Armed Forces Bowl, Forces bowl or something like that. I can't imagine yeah. that wouldn't be good for tickets right. and publicity. Right, exactly. I mean, they won their last four to get to six and six. Minnesota lost its last four to get to five and seven. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm just a simple shepherd. Just something to contemplate. Just kind of... Just throw in a couple little... Nuggets there and what's going on. Um, Ole Miss only has one opt out. Uh, they, today, Lane Kiffin met with the media. It is Cedric Johnson, the starting defensive end, who has more uh, career sacks than anybody on the team. So he's opting out, but he's it. Now, JJ, it should be pointed out when I say that's it, it's actually a little more. Interesting than that. J.J. Henry, who's probably their fourth or fifth receiver, is in the transfer portal. He's out of the game. Cedric Johnson's opted out the defensive end. And then Sanders, the backup quarterback, the kid from Oklahoma State, who had been the starter at Oklahoma State, transfers into Ole Miss, has 70, 70 career touchdown passes, is academically ineligible for the game. Huh? It's the last really? time you heard somebody being academically ineligible. In a, in your fifth year. <laughs> in your fifth year. You almost have to try. No, I think they, it's the opposite happened. Well, you didn't I mean, try to be academically <laughs> ineligible. <laughs> I, think, I think you didn't try at all. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Is that Kevin in the background? Actually, no, it was Caleb. Oh, Caleb. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, good. Um, so, yeah, there you are. So, um, so that's the story. Now, Penn State hasn't had its press conference today, but they did have the open practice part. Uh, everybody gets 15 minutes of practice. Uh, I will be at tomorrow's practice. But it won't be the. It should not end up being the fifteen minute glimpse. I should get you know, as usual get to see the whole thing. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. Do you have any indication if Ola's going to play? 
Is that how you say his first name? The the o- o- Olu. Olu, yeah. No, Olu's been out there every day. Yeah. So I mean, um, I mean, I'll see what you know. I'll see what he wants to do. I mean, the, the only time I talked to him in the last week was I congratulated him on being a consensus first team All American. I mean, that's you know, I didn't sit there. Hey, you gonna play? <laughs> I mean, he's been out there. Yeah. I mean, when I mean he's been out there, he has not just been standing there. Now, whether anything changed between was the last practice I saw. Uh, it was the last one they had here in State College, Monday. So between Monday and tomorrow, I mean, so, something certainly can change. I've seen it happen before. I remember, I remember the year Jahan Dotson sat out of the um, the Citrus Bowl. Jahan Dotson sat out of the, no, it was the Outback Bowl against Arkansas. Dotson started practicing when they started at the beginning of December and was at, like, I don't know, three or four practices, then he opted out. But, um, so, I mean, guys can make decisions once they get there. For example, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., Cotton Bowl, is with the team but did not practice today, and people think he is not going to play in the game on Friday night. You know, there's just so much money to be made now at the next level. I mean, what's it, what, I mean, I do a completely different line of work. Completely different line of work. Uh, and it certainly isn't physical. <laughs> <laughs> I was inducted into my town's hall of fame back in September, and I, I said, "Well, I'm not here because of my athletic ability." Uh, uh, but I've never opted out of anything in my life, so I don't, you know. But I, I also don't put my body on the line, like they do, and risk injury when a potential big payday is coming up. Um, now, I talked to Curtis Jacobs a little bit about his decision because he had already decided that he was going to opt for the draft. And we talked a little bit about that, and he's talking to me about the weight he felt he wanted to be at when he ran the combine, things like that. You know, but he thought it was important that he play in the game. Uh, and at the same time, um, He also was thinking ahead to what weight he needed to be at um, to run a forty time at the combine. I mean, so you know, so players are they're thinking in those terms. How about that? Uh, some are thinking about injuries. Some are thinking about um, you know what the combine is going to go and so forth. Yeah. And uh, like I said, we'll try and get a little bit of whatever out of because no nobody was at practice on Sunday. They did not practice yesterday. Um, they don't practice uh, on Mondays. They don't practice on Mondays anyway. Unless it's unless it happens to be like they did practice on Monday before 
the game with Michigan State because it was a Friday. Well, it turned out this game's a Saturday, so they went with the normal practice week schedule. Sunday, get work done, Monday off, heavier work Tuesday, lighter load Wednesday, walk through Thursday, fast Friday. So they're doing the same, you know, doing the same thing. So today's one of the. Uh, this will be the heaviest um, work uh, of the week. Um, will be today, uh, and this is the. I think I'm trying to think if they're outdoors today or not. Because they've been at Georgia Tech using the indoor facility. They're going inside the dome the rest of the week, and I think that starts tomorrow. I think that starts tomorrow, where they're going in the dome the rest of the week. So, meanwhile, I think Ole Miss is staying out of Georgia Tech the whole time. I don't, I don't know if Ole Miss may be going in for a walkthrough on Friday or something like that. But that's that's it. So, all right, we'll take a break. Come back more in a moment. Neil Kulong, next half hour. The Steelers have shocked the world.